like this are the real reason why I host a podcast. I am Brandon Lachance, the host of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. This is episode 147, and when I say it is action-packed, loaded, with crazy awesomeness, I'm not lying. This episode is crazy-packed. I mean, huge-packed, little bit of everything, and I got my guy, friend for about 16 years, met him freshman year of college, Brian Cavelli, master producer, mastermind of anything music, sounds, instruments, whatever. This dude knows everything, can use everything, and he's crazy, crazy awesome. Been listening to this man's music for a very long time, pretty much since I met him. He taught me everything I know about music, how to produce a song, how to listen to a song, what is what in a song, everything I know stemmed from him, and then I kind of went on and did some research, some study of my own, and did some different things with music, and you know how it goes, but it all stemmed with Brian Cavelli. He is also the man behind the intro and outro beat of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Every single episode Brian Cavelli has been on with his beats. He's so insanely good that Timberland, yeah, Timberland, legend, icon, pioneer, all of those things in rap, hip-hop, R&B, played Cavelli's tracks, hummed to him, made a song to him, sort of, kind of, and loved him. That's how good Brian Cavelli is. I'm lucky to call him a great friend, and we are lucky to listen to a sample of his work every time Edge of Your Seat Podcast is played. So big shout out to him. Always love chatting with him, catching up. It had been quite a while since we had talked, talked. I say talk, talk, like on a phone or had a real conversation. Little chit chats here and there on Facebook Messenger, send each other a chat here and there. But he's busy, I'm busy doing our own things. And this time on Edge of Your Seat Podcast, we collide and do our thing together. Just like we were at SIU. You know those old Saluki days. Speaking of those Saluki days, SIU basketball today. Monday, December 21st, get a 76-73 victory over Butler, which snapped the longest non-conference home winning streak in college basketball. Salukis are now 6-0 on the season, second in the Missouri Valley Conference, behind Drake, who is 8-0. I am a huge Saluki fan, just like Cavelli, just like every one of our friends that we mentioned on this podcast, and we mentioned quite a bit. But SIU is us. We bleed Saluki Maroon, and to see them go to Butler, get that 76-73 victory, it only makes sense. You know, Cavelli and I on the same podcast, editing today, broadcasting today, and, of course, SIU gets the big victory. When we were there, the Salukis made it to the Sweet 16, should have made it to the Elite 8, got robbed when they were playing Kansas, a couple bad calls, crunch time, end of the game. You know, of course, I'm going to say that because I'm a Saluki fan, but really thought the refs butchered that game in 2006. Should have been an Elite 18. But Sweet 16 for a small mid-major school, it was still awesome to be part of that. And I watched just about every SIU game there. I worked for the game staff, was there, front row, watching everything happen. 
It was fantastic. Then I was also writing for the school paper as well, so then I got to talk to the players and the coaches, be in the conference rooms. So it was a blast. I'll never forget my opportunities at SIU. Something else I'll never forget is my love for the Christmas season. Being the 21st, we are three days away from Christmas Eve, four days away from Christmas. I'm all bubbly inside, just waiting for the holidays to get here. A couple days off from work, get to relax, hopefully talk to some family. Might have to Skype or Zoom or Snapchat or something rather than seeing them in person. But it's a family holiday and going to spend it with the family any way that I can. Hopefully you are doing the same thing. It's Christmas. Family is very important. Have a good time. Share the holiday cheer. Don't know where you listen to this episode, but you can catch all of Edge of Your Seat podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, and the Edge of Your Seat podcast site, which is www.rss.com backslash podcasts with an S backslash edge of your seat podcast all episodes all 147 are on all three of those platforms check us out on social media edge of your seat podcast on facebook and edge of your seat p on twitter comment like share all of those things on both sites we appreciate it give us some follows means a lot to us Appreciate every listen, every interaction with every single listener. That means a lot to me, a lot to Edge of Your Seat Podcast. You know, me and the podcast have conversations here and there. And, you know, they tell me that they like the listeners, that they're happy that you're part of the Edge of Your Seat experience. Also, shoot us an email, edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. Any questions, suggestions, you want to be a guest, you know somebody that'd be a good guest, you want to advertise with Edge of Your Seat Podcast, anything, 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 feel free to shoot us an email. Don't like starting shows off with corrections, but gotten a correction. And my man, the data checker, the stat checker, the pronunciation guru, Pat Beals, stepping up for Edge of Your Seat Podcast once again, helping me out. On episode 146, I was talking about Stanford women's basketball coach Tara Vanderveer becoming the most winningest NCAA women's basketball coach as she won 1,099 against Pacific with her number one Cardinal squad, taking the lead from the late Pat Summit, who was a monster with the Volunteers in Tennessee. She had finished with 1,098 wins. Tara now has 1,101, as on Saturday, the Cardinal beat USC 80-60, and then on Monday, defeated number 10 in the country, UCLA, 61-49. The correction I'm making here is because I said Coach K from the Duke men's team had 1,132 victories. I did not look at the date. That was last year, before last year, before the season. So... After last season, in the games that he's won now, he has 1,160. And I had said that Tara could possibly catch Coach K this year. Well, Coach K is still coaching, which I obviously didn't put into factor. 
And there's a few more games instead of just 33. She is at 1,101. He's at 1,160. Duke is ranked number 20 and have been struggling. I think they're 3-2 and two right now where Stanford is 8-0 on the women's scene and beating everybody pretty handedly. So she might catch a couple games this year, but while Coach K is still coaching and she is still coaching, they're both getting up there in years. We'll see what happens. But she is on his tail. She's trying to catch him. Maybe not purposely, but I, I feel like she wants to. Who wouldn't want to be the most winningest coach in college basketball, whether it be male or female? Anybody would want that. We have a lot to get into. Let's take a break for a second before we get to NFL Week 15 just wrapped up as, oh my gosh, the 2-10-1 and, and one Cincinnati Bengals are now 3-10-1 as they knocked off Pittsburgh. The Steelers come in the game 11-2, get beat by Cincinnati. The Steelers have dropped three straight and are not looking like the elite team, the Super Bowl team that we thought they were. Wow, 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 wow. But now that that game's over for Monday Night Football, Week 15 is in the books. It's a wrap. So let's get a word from our sponsor, LP CrossFit, and then we will touch on the NFL Week 15. Let's face it, it's not easy to get in shape or to stay physically fit. There are factors working against all of us, including time and work schedules, lack of a support system, Maybe motivation is low. Don't want to be judged or criticized if not supporting a gym rat body. Injuries or physical restrictions. However, there is a place where these no's or maybes become yeses. LP CrossFit. LP CrossFit, located at the Prue Mall across from Secret Nails, offers a weekly schedule of classes for any level of fitness. It's not one time, not once a week, there are many options and classes only last one hour. A support group, LP CrossFit is a diverse community focused on fun and hard work. All members know each other's names and support one another during workouts. Motivation, the trainers at LP CrossFit help you reach your goals and get into the best shape of your life with workouts of numerous movements, including bodyweight, gymnastic, and barbell. Everyone is guided or pushed at a productive and comfortable level. If you're an experienced athlete or getting your first taste of physical fitness, everyone is welcomed and viewed as equals. You would go at your own pace. Wanna go hard? The atmosphere is, hello, how are you? Go get at it. Want a more relaxed approach? You'll receive the same welcome. Hello, how are you? Go get at it. Injuries and mobility restrictions are a huge priority at LP CrossFit as all small group classes are coach-led and movements are infinitely scalable for all members. LP CrossFit opens all doors for everyone. Check out LP CrossFit on Facebook or at lpcrossfit.com. We have to start Week 15 talk with the Chicago Bears win. They are now 7-7, seven seven, knocking off Minnesota Vikings, who are now 6-8. The Bears are still alive, just need to win two games and have the Cardinals lose, who are 8-7. and seven. So a game ahead of the Bears for the last wild card spot. So AZ needs to lose, Bears need to win, 
and we can sneak into the playoffs. That would be fantastic. Hasn't been a great season, but that would be kind of rewarding, meaning they were still trying to play for something instead of giving up because they definitely could have because they looked like trash about three or four weeks ago. Last two weeks, Mitchell Trubisky has looked like an NFL quarterback. Not the greatest, but definitely not the worst. Middle of the pack quarterback, I'm okay with that coming from Mitchell Trubisky. Hopefully, definitely want him to get better, but like seeing competent instead of why is he on the team, which that's how the year started off with and how last season ended with. Like, what are we doing with Mitchell Trubisky? Against the Vikings, 15-21, 202 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Have to give a huge shout-out to David Montgomery, 32 carries, 146 yards, and two touchdowns. His 146 yards is a career high. His 32 carries is a career high. So great game for him. He's been over 100 yards the last two weeks. He's killing it. Trubisky looks good. David Montgomery running the ball good. I could do this all season long. Defense played okay. Not great. But did all right. Got the W. That's all that matters. Keeping the playoff hopes alive. Man, that sounds good to hear. Week 15 and the Bears still in it. Just got to win. Just got to win out. Jaguars, Packers. Jaguars hopefully is a little easy. Packers is going to be tough, but come to play. It is the rivalry of all rivalries when it comes to professional sports. Not just NFL, professional sports. Take care of the Packers. Talked about this game a few times. On Thursday was the Chargers and Raiders. I took the L in the Pickums as I went Raiders, Chargers won 30-27 in overtime. By the way, I did get the win for the Bears. I picked them over the Vikings. Took W's on my pickums in the next seven games. Bills, 48, Broncos, 19. The Bills clinched the AFC East for the first time since 1995. Wow. Wow. That is a long time. But you're in a division with a team called the New England Patriots. So, it makes sense. It's just crazy. Good stuff coming out of the Bills camp. I like them. I like the Bills a lot. Packers defeated the Panthers 24-16. Cowboys knocked off the 49ers 41-33. Andy Dalton, 209 yards, two touchdowns. Tony Pollard filling in for Zeke. Elliott, who was out, he had two touchdowns. Tampa Bay Buccaneers had to come back against the Atlanta Falcons. Falcons were doing damage to the Buccaneers early. Tom Brady and the team get it back together, win 31-27. Tennessee Titans take care of Detroit Lions, 46-25. If you have not seen the Derrick Henry stiff arm, watch it. YouTube it. The dude's a monster. Indianapolis Colts, 27. Houston Texans, 20. Houston Texans seem to be right there all the time, but can't get it done. Colts take the W. Miami Dolphins, 22. Patriots, 12. This was an awesome game to watch as the Patriots' loss means they are out of the playoffs for the first time since 2008. 2008 was the last time they were not in the playoffs. It's a new era. No Tom Brady. Cam Newton has looked garbage for most of the season. And bam, they're out of the playoffs. Seattle Seahawks beat Washington Redskins. 
Seahawks have not been playing well. Washington has been. So I went Washington. Fell by five. I'll take the L there. Take another W with the Ravens 40, Jaguars 14. And man, Rockford Lutheran representative James Robinson has looked awesome all year. 16 carries for 35 yards against the Ravens, so not great on the run. Also had three receptions, 18 yards, and a touchdown. So touchdown, little bit over 50 yards, 53 yards. Not a great game, but all right, not too bad. The big thing here is Pro Bowlers were announced, and James Robinson was snubbed. In terms of yards, he is the third best running back in the NFL. 1,070 yards and seven touchdowns on the ground. In the air, 344 yards, three touchdowns. So he's got 1,300 yards, a little over, and 10 touchdowns and can't get the Pro Bowl knock. Is it because he's from Illinois State? Is it because he wasn't drafted? Or is it because you're blind? The man deserves to be on the Pro Bowl roster. He's been huge for the Jaguars and a lot of excitement to watch. His story is awesome. Not drafted. Top three running back in the NFL. Give the man a nod. Give the man some respect. He should be in the Pro Bowl. The craziness of the week besides Steelers and Bengals. Okay, so there's a lot of craziness. Between the Steelers and Bengals, which I still cannot believe, and what I can't believe even more, the Jets knocked off the Rams 23-20. The Jets came into the game winless, 0-13, where the Rams were 9-4, looking like a good team. Nah, nah. Jets, 23-20 victory. Now 1-13, Rams 9-5, and I'd be surprised if they get out of the first round of the playoffs. The crazy thing is, the Jets winning knocks them out of the first pick of the NFL draft. Now, it's in favor of the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are also 1-13, but win the tiebreaker in terms of strength of schedule. So Jets, with the win, knock themselves to the second pick instead of the first pick. Do you squash the game and try to lose so you can get the first pick, which is going to be Clemson quarterback Trevor Lawrence? Or you win the game and now you're going to get second pick and you're probably not going to get Lawrence, who in everybody's eyes is looking like a franchise quarterback. So I don't know if this Jets win a good idea or a bad idea. I mean, it's sports and me, the competitive me, and hopefully you're a competitive person. You want to play to win the game. That's why we play. You may have heard that in rant before. We play to win the game. Well, the Jets did, but overall, it might have hurt them more than it helped them. But I got the L on the Pickums, just like every other person across the country. Take the dub here. Cardinals 33, Eagles 26. Was a really good game. Cardinals come through in the end. Chiefs 32, Saints 29. I did go with the Chiefs. Mahomes 26 of 47, 254 yards, three touchdowns. The man is a monster. He can pinpoint passes. He makes the right decisions. He can get past people with his legs. He made a couple of okey-doke moves where you think he's going one way, he goes the other way. He is faking linebackers out with his eyes, looking at one guy, then quickly looks the other way. Just doing everything that a superstar MVP type quarterback does. Patrick Mahomes is a monster. Drew Brees, a legend. Goes 15 of 34, 234 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. 
willed the Saints to make this game close because for a minute it looked like the Chiefs were going to blow them out. Drew Brees is like, nah, I'm not having that. So it was a battle of the new young quarterback that's taken the league by storm and the old legend who has a season or two left and kind of passing the torch-ish. It's kind of what it seemed like. Sunday night football, Cleveland Browns 20, Giants 6. Browns are 10-4. and four. That sounds insane, but they're 10-4 and four and are looking to break a 17-year playoff drought. I think they're going to do it. They deserve to be in. It's kind of fun to watch them, to see the progression from being the worst team in the NFL to being pretty solid and a contender. But the most memorable moment of this game as a Bears fan was the commentator saying, and Parkey doinked again. Cody Parkey, field goal kicker, who should not be in the NFL, hit the upright again. Again. If you're a Chicago Bear fan, Parkey did this all the time. Every time he kicked a field goal, well, it seemed like every time he kicked a field goal for the Bears. Goes to the Browns, and we got another dunk. That was the highlight of that game for me. I smiled like, thank God you're not a Bear anymore. And then, of course, Monday night's game, tonight's game, Bengals 27, Steelers 17. I will take the fat L there, probably just like everybody else across the country, too. If you pick the Bengals or the Jets, no, scratch that. If you pick the Bengals and the Jets, you are the smartest man in America for real and have proof. Show me. I would love to see that. So four picks in week 15. I went 12-4. and four. Not a bad week. Pretty solid. Always trying to go undefeated. But when you have the Jets who are winless going in to a game against a 9-4 team or the Bengals 2-10-1 against an 11-2 Steelers team, yeah. You're not going to pick them. Nobody picked them. You're not going to be undefeated that week. Not happening. Definitely excited to see the last couple weeks of the regular season. Got two more weeks before the playoffs. Playoffs, football style. One of my favorite times of the year. Can't wait to get there and see what happens. We have to get to one of my favorite segments of the week. And I'm talking about the deep dive. Jumping into an album, breaking it down, either reliving memories, listening to songs already heard, but listen to them in a different light as probably older, probably in a different time of life, or listen to music that you never heard before. And this week, the deep dive is brought to you by Mendota Shimmer Ford, a community dealership that is here for you. You hear that chain? You gotta hear that chain. Mendota's finest right there. This week's deep dive brought us to the next four of the Rolling Stone Magazine's top 500 albums of all time. They had updated it September 22nd, 2020. The four that I put on a poll on Twitter and Facebook were 496, Shakira, Donde Están Las Lajones. 495 was Boys to Men. Two, 494 was The Ronettes. Presenting the fabulous Ronettes. And 493 was Marvin Gaye, Here, My Dear. And almost unanimously, Boys to Men won the poll. I was kind of happy, like Boys to Men, better than the other three artists, just because that was my time frame. Two came out in 1994, mid-90s, R&B. If you're in your 40s, 30s, probably 50s, 
you can relate to Boys to Men. They were everywhere in the 90s. And especially this album. From Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Boys to Men, a quartet. Started in 1985, first album came out in 1987, and their last one, number 13, album 13, came out in 2017. Nathan Morris was with Boys to Men when they first started. Wanya Morris came in 1987, Sean Stockman in 1988, and Michael McCreary in 1988. Nathan, Wanya, Sean, and Michael were the four members of Boys to Men for the album too. There were four other members of Boys to Men, as Mark Nelson was with Boys to Men 1985 to 90, George Baldy 85 to 88, John Shouts 85 to 88, and Mark Wright Walker 85 to 88. But Michael, Sean, Wanya, Nathan, probably the version of Boys to Men that you know the best. Michael was with Boys to Men until 2003 when he left Boys to Men because of multiple cirrhosis, MS. Obviously, kind of hard to keep up a singing career, traveling, be part of a major, major music act with a disease, a situation like MS. Boys to Men has done a lot in music. One of the best acts of all time. They spent 50 weeks at number one on the Billboard list between all their projects. That is fourth. Behind, listen to these acts. Elvis Presley, The Beatles, and Mariah Carey. Quite the company when it comes to music. And another interesting fact about Boys to Men. I'll Make Love to You was a number one single on the Billboard list. Replaced by On Bended Knee. Also Boys to Men. And both of those tracks are on this album, Boys to Men 2. When this happened, it was only the third time, the third time, an artist replaced itself at number one with their own song. They dethroned themselves. The only other two people to do it? Previously mentioned, Elvis Presley and the Beatles. That is the company Boys to Men has put themselves in. And when the Billboard magazine named the biggest boy band of all time from the era of 1987 to 2012, Boys to Men was the biggest, the best boy band. Not in sync. Not Backstreet Boys, not New Kids on the Block, no, Boys to Men. And they got the awards, the backing to back them up. Nine American Music Awards, three Billboard Awards, seven Soul Train Awards. In 2012, they were given a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. That's a crazy honor. And they have won four Grammys, including the very, 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 very first Best R&B Album with this album. Two. So Two was the first album to win Best R&B Album. They were on fire. In the 90s, there was nothing touching Boys to Men. All the R&B acts in the world wanted to be like them. And actually, there's a couple afterwards that tried to impersonate them. 112, Jagged Edge. There's a lot of similarities to Boys to Men. Two came out August 30th, 1994. It was their second album that wasn't a Christmas album. They did have a Christmas album in the middle of two albums that weren't Christmas, but they're like, hey, this is our second album, even though it's really our third album. The names of the producers on this album are unreal. This is like the Hall of Fame of R&B names. Babyface, Dallas Austin, 
Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, Brian McKnight, L.A. Reid, Tony Rich. When it comes to R&B and production and even singing, these are some of the biggest names ever, ever. And they worked on this album with Boys to Men, including the top singles, I'll Make Love to You, already mentioned, On Bended Knee, Thank You, Water Runs Dry, all four of them huge hits. Two spent five weeks at number one on the Billboard charts in 1994, but then in 1995, peaked at number three. Album has went on to sell 12 million copies, making it 12 times platinum. That's insane. And in 1995, it was the third best album in sales behind Hootie and the Blowfishes, Cracked, Rearview, and TLC's Crazy Sexy Cool. If you have not heard either one of those albums, both are really good. No matter what type of music you really listen to, both of those albums are classics. 1995 was an amazing year for music. Throw those three in there. You got Nirvana. Jewel had an amazing album. 1995 was crazy, crazy, crazy with great albums. The cool thing is, like I said, those were the best three selling albums in 1995, but they were all released in 1994. But at the end of the year, so the star, the spotlight that was on those albums actually came in 1995. And not only did Boys to Men do awesome numbers in the U.S., two-time platinum in Australia, five-time platinum in Canada, and also went platinum in France and New Zealand. Worldwide. Boys to Men, crazy, everywhere. The album, 13 songs, 57 minutes, 34 seconds. Break these down, and then I will go through my rankings, which songs I liked the best. The very first song on the album was Thank You, and that's exactly what they were doing. They were thanking Everybody that was showing them love, showing them support, had their back. And it previewed the harmonizing, the groove that is going to be throughout the entire album. So it represented musically and represented emotionally, gratitude-wise, everything that music and what they had been able to do at that point and with this album had meant to them and wanted to share that with their fans their family, their friends, everybody that supported them. And one of the main lines in the song, never turned away, you were right there, and I thank you. Lots of little lines like that, just thanking the support. And every act, no matter how big, how famous you get, you know that support has to mean a lot to you. Otherwise, you're not really doing it for anything except money, and fans can hear that, they can sense it, and then you're probably not that famous anyway because your music doesn't mean nothing. Number two on the album was All Around the World. I kind of like songs that list cities, names, things that they're doing, places they've been, things like that. And that's what Boyz II Men did here. A line in it goes, different places, different faces, still feels like home. Talking about travel, on the road, being all over the place. Japan was thrown in there, France was thrown in there, all across the United States. And some of the people they had met and just kind of reminiscing in their mind the journey, the voyage, where they've been. Cool song, again, harmonizing. Every single song on this album harmonizes, flows, vibes. This one is another one of those for sure. Three, you know, just saying a relationship may be over, but I know and you know 
that I'm good for you. Everything about us was good. And now that it's over, you're going to sit back and realize I was the one. Everything I did, everything I meant to you, that was real. And you may never find that again. And you know this. If you've ever been in a relationship and after it's over, you sat back and think about all the things you did for somebody and what you meant for them and all those lovey-dovey moments, you know when you step back, they're thinking about them as well. And they realize, then they know that maybe they messed up and they realize what you meant to them. That is exactly what this song is talking about and easy, relatable. Four, vibing. It's just a cool 1994 R&B vibe song. Dancing the night away, enjoying your company, vibing. Five shocked me because at first it's got like this Western, not beat, but like sound that when you think of a Western movie or maybe some old school country music, just that noise, that sound that just makes you think Western. That is how this starts. If you've ever heard Bone Thugs and Harmony's Ghetto Cowboy, it is that very first sound that you hear. As soon as you hit the play button and it comes on, it's that sound. And I was like, man, I don't want to hear this again. This could be bad. But then somehow they turn that into a pretty cool R&B track. They hit the snares right. They hit all the musical instruments where they needed to be hit. And all of a sudden, the song is a hit. Like, this was a really, really well done song. And it's about being lonely. Like a man can sit back and cry and shed tears and feelings about things that has happened in his life, including losing a loved one, and still be manly about it. You can be lonely. You can be by yourself and get through the depressing time without having to be with somebody. Without thinking that you need them, you can sit away, get inside your own head, and think what's next. It's exactly what this song is about. And just saying, hey, sometimes you need to sit away. Sometimes you need to get away. And being around these people or that person isn't the best for you. Six, Jezebel, the horns, the harmonizing, classic, classic boys to men, R&B feel. And the song's about, you know, I saw a girl on a train. She was cute. She had this vibe. She smelled good. The fragrance, her hair, the way it moved in the wind. They just describe a whole love song about trying to meet a girl on a bus and then, you know, what leads next and how we go about that and how your words and your mannerisms to that girl lead to that. In other words, a baby making song. Seven, the Khalil interlude. This is an RIP memorial for Khalil Roundtree, who was a road manager who was shot in Chicago during the MC Hammer Too Legit to Quit tour. Boyz II Men was part of it, and he was shot and killed. This is paying homage to him. Don't have a lot to say about it. I mean, we all have somebody we can pay homage to, and this was their way of doing that. Track number eight was Trying Times. It was okay. Definitely a old school R&B song. Slow beat, slow lyrics talking about sitting down, talking to your partner about the struggles, the issues, and trying to get through things. Typical R&B. Track nine, I'll Make Love To You. I could sit here and talk about this song all day. It's my favorite R&B song of all time, probably. Oh yeah, no, probably, it is. This was also a baby making song in 1994, 1995. The very first line, close your eyes, make a wish, 
and blow out the candlelight. For tonight is just your night. We're going to celebrate all through the night. Another verse, and then the hook of all hooks, the chorus of all chorus, I'll make love to you like you want me to, and I'll hold you tight all through the night. What woman did not want to hear those words in 1994? You could probably get away with saying those in 2020, especially during COVID-19. I'm sure there's a lot of women that'll be like, oh, you just stole my heart. Hopefully they never heard the song. The odds of that are really tough, but you might get away with it. Who knows? I'll Make Love To You, a classic R&B song that everybody knows the words to. I was nine years old when this came out and sang it all the time. My mom would be like, do you even know what half of that stuff means? I'm like, no, but it sounds cool. I don't know if I told her no. I probably told her yes, me thinking I know everything. But singing that song at nine years old, loved it. Loved every second of it. And then as I got older, you know, a man trying to prove to a woman what she means to him by making love to her. Sounds like a good situation in pretty much every situation. Track 10 on Bended Knee, also number one on the charts, just like I'll Make Love To You was. The piano, how it sets the tone, sets the style, sets the tempo, everything in the song was done fantastically. Song is about, give me one more chance to prove, you know, I made a mistake, but we can go back to how it was. You know, that perfect love that we had, you know, I want it again. I know you want it again. Let's put the pieces together to make that happen. Everybody loved that song as well. Heard it everywhere for quite a long time. 11, 50 candles. You know, just talking about just focus on us. You and I surrounded by candles. Okay, 50 of them. So it's all about us to let you know what I think of you. And let's get it on. 12, Water Runs Dry. I absolutely love this song. Always have. Talking about an end of a relationship, you tried so hard, you're just going in different ways, don't even know how to speak to each other anymore, don't know how to act around each other anymore, that love, that magic that you once had is gone, you can't figure it out, you're trying, you're trying, you're trying, but you realize, you know, we can't wait until there's nothing left. Like, the water runs dry, you know, we're stranded, we're stuck, we're not living, we're not a relationship. So let's figure this out now, whether we're together or we're not together, let's not let the water run dry and ruin everything. Great song, really, really well done. The harmonizing, the everything that Boys to Men is known for, definitely, definitely showcased on Water Runs Dry. 13, the last track, all acapella, no music except for beatboxing and harmonizing from them. It was amazing. I like listening to those tracks every once in a while. And to end an album like that, pretty cool. You start with a thank you, and then you end it with a yesterday, talking about, you know, things change. I believe in yesterday. I wanted love and life to be like yesterday. But now, you know, sometimes I have to move on, and it's not going to quite be the same that it was. And it stinks, and it sucks, but I get that life isn't always yesterday. I could listen to, I'm going to say, 10 out of these 13 songs every day. Every day. Like, this album was that great. Voice to Men is absolutely amazing. There is a reason that they have 13 studio albums. There is a reason that they've been around since the late 80s until 2017. 
And who knows if they put out another album because Sean Stockman, Nathan Morris, and Wanye Morris are still together, still trying to make music, just haven't put out an album in three years. But it's never too late. They could have a 14th in the works and put out some new music in the next year or two. Who knows? But there's a reason that they've been around for so long. The harmonizing, their voices, the meanings behind their songs. Fantastic, fantastic group and one of my favorites. Thank you for voting for this as the album off of the Rolling Stone magazine top 500 album of all time list. Because I dug it. I liked going back and listening to this. So my rankings of the songs. We'll start from 13 and work our way up. 13, the Khalil interlude. Nothing bad about it. Just I didn't know Khalil. It was cool that they shared some love for a fallen comrade. But I didn't know him. And the rest of these songs had meaning and beats and harmonizing that I could relate to or that I loved. Rest in peace to Khalil Roundtree. It was awesome that they did this on here, but it is 13 on my list. 12, I'm going to go 50 Candles. Like I said, we're surrounded with love by 50 Candles, all lit up, all focused on us. Let's worry about each other. Let you know how much I love you. I want to be with you. Cool. Okay. Good song. Just not my type, not my style. 11, Trying Times. I like the old school R&B, but I also like the production value of most of these other songs and even acapella was better for me than trying times but i understood you're sitting down talking to a partner got struggles we got issues meaning of the song was cool just wasn't feeling the whole song in general mostly the music 10 i am going to go yesterday the acapella song i was talking about it was really cool i liked the beatboxing i liked the harmonizing and you know we do sit back and think about yesterday and how it was better. But I'm also a future thinker and knowing that I can't change what happened in the past and gotta keep moving forward and not sit there and reflect and groan and moan about my choices and just try to make them better in the future. And I thought yesterday was doing a little bit of that, oh, I wish it was yesterday and not today or not tomorrow so I could go back and re-fall in love with that person or have her back or you know, all that other stuff. In my mind, either it'll work out and you guys will find each other back again or, you know, it's time to move on. That's the way to look at it. So that's why yesterday is 10 and not a little higher on the list. Nine, Jezebel. Cool. It's a baby making music song. The harmonizing was cool. The horns were awesome. Liked it a lot. Liked the story of it. Saw a girl on a train. Wanted to talk to her. Wanted to meet her. You did. What do we do next? Eight. Thank you, the opening track. I thought it was a great opening track. I like the fact that they paid homage to the people that love them, support them, and help them get to where they are. I think anybody that gets to any place, like maybe not just selling millions of records and going 12-time platinum, but when you graduate college, there was people that helped you through that. You got your first job, there was people that helped you through that. You got a promotion at your job, there was people that helped you through that. So saying thank you to those people that backed you, that supported you, that meant something to you, and that you meant something to for them to help you, that is a huge thing. And to do that as the first track on an album, that's pretty awesome. That gets the eight nod. Seven nod goes through all around the world. Like I said, I like the listing of cities and names and 
different places, different faces, still feels like home. I've been all over the place and there's many places that I would call home. Six, you know, good vibe, relate a lot to this song. Like, hey, I was the one for you. You messed it up, everything I did, you know when you sit down that you know you messed up. You know I was good for you. You know you shouldn't have done what you did. Now you know you have to do with the circumstances. Five, vibing. Really like that 1994 feel, the just chilling in the club. I really wish in 1994 I wasn't nine years old and I could have been in the club and dancing and having a good time with this song on. I think it would have been a cool experience and you know try to do that even now with some R&B tracks. But 2020 is a different feel than 1994. Four, I'm gonna go on Bended Knee, the piano, so triumphant, cool, relaxed, chilled music to a pretty important topic. Need another chance to prove myself. I made a mistake, please love me, take me back into your life, let's have that perfect love one more time. That is a huge moment for most people. If they are talking about getting on a bended knee and admitting that they did something wrong and that they just need a second chance, that's a huge moment in somebody's life. And they portrayed it really well in this song. Three, I sit away. I love this song. Everybody has probably had that lonely moment or that moment when they're sitting alone thinking about if they were with another person and maybe they needed to sit back and do this before. Sit back and see the situation and what was going on and just be by yourself no matter how depressing it is and figure out what's next in life. And I like what they did with that Western beat, turning it into something that I really, really love. Because at first I was like, oh no, I don't know if I can listen to this. And then I loved it. Two, Water Runs Dry. Man, that's an amazing song. Amazing, amazing, amazing. End of relationship. Don't let the water run dry. Make a move now. Whether it's to work on it, keep talking even though you don't know how to talk, or end it. And if ending it's what you gotta do, then that's what you gotta do. And then one, I'll Make Love To You will always be my number one R&B song. Nothing on this album or probably any other album will ever top that. Probably not. Probably not. If you have any different rankings, hit up Edge of Your Seat Podcast on Facebook or Edge of Your Seat P on Twitter. Also send an email, edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. These deep dives are amazing. We will have the poll up for the next four albums on the Rolling Stone Magazine's top 500 list of all time that came out September 22nd of 2020. It's cool listening to different music, different styles, different genres at this time of life. You know, me listening at 35, different than listening at 12, and probably you as the listener, if you've heard these albums before, you're at a different time in your life, and we can relive the music, the thoughts, the stories, everything with these songs. The Deep Dive was brought to you by Shimmer Mendota Ford. Mendota Ford is a community dealership dedicated to being community first. It's December, the end of a treacherous 2020. However, Mendota Ford wants to usher in a better 2021 with an end-of-the-year sale like never before. New management leads the team into the new year as Ski Hartman brings 10 years of experience with a pressure-free, no-hassle approach for your buying experience. Trust me, I went and bought a car from Ski Hartman and the guys at Shimmer Mendota Ford in the middle of November and I've never been happier had those experiences where 
you feel shysted or somebody just trying to sell you something to get it off the lot. Ski wasn't that way. Tony wasn't that way. Doug wasn't that way. Jason not that way either. Very cool guys. You tell them what you want and they'll help you find it. So go visit them. Go visit Ski, Jason, Tony, and Doug, my friends, and they can become your friends. They're that cool of dudes. Visit them at Shimmer Mendota Ford, located just south of Mendota on Highway 251, or contact them at 815-539-9314, or visit MendotaFord.com. With Saturday's games, NCAA football is going nuts. The college football playoff rankings are finalized. We know who is going to be in the Rose Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, and it's who it's been all along. Alabama 11-0 after winning the SEC title game over Florida on Saturday. Second, Clemson 10-1 after they defeated Notre Dame 34-10 Saturday for the ACC title. Ohio State is third at 6-0 and the previously mentioned Notre Dame Fighting Irish number four. You can think many ways about this. Notre Dame, Clemson, split games. Notre Dame defeated Clemson 47-40, November 7th in overtime. Two good teams, probably deserve to be in there, but doesn't anybody else? What about Texas A&M? They're eight and one, they finished fifth in the rankings. Oklahoma, eight and one, finished sixth. Seven was Florida, eight and three. Okay, they lost to Alabama, but they were in it for quite a while. If they could have pulled that off and beat Alabama, I would hope, I would think that this whole rankings would have got flipped upside down. Or maybe not, because Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame are fixtures in the Final Four of the CFP. Seems like they're in there every year. Every once in a while, take out a Clemson, put in Auburn. Every once in a while, take out Ohio State, put in a Wisconsin. And that's what it is. Like, that's it. Not a lot of change there. So every year, we're wishing, we're hoping, we're thinking, praying for that underdog to get a shot. And it just doesn't happen. You can't really move Texas A&M to the four spot because their one loss at 8-1 was to Alabama 52-24. They got smoked. I wouldn't mind putting Oklahoma at the six, 8-1, their one loss being to Ohio State 37-30, but then Oklahoma got revenge and won the Big 12 championship against Iowa State as OU won their sixth straight Big 12 championship. Cincinnati at 9-0 was at the eighth spot in the rankings. Coastal Carolina, 11-0 at 12. BYU, 10-1 at 16. I know they're not playing the same schedules, but why don't we give these teams a chance sometimes? You don't think if you put this team that wants to be in that conversation every year, that wants to be that underdog that wants to upset a Bama, a Clemson, an Ohio State, a Notre Dame. Why not give them a chance? I know there's been some epic failures when teams do get that chance and then get blown up. But if you don't give them the chance, the odds of them doing something different aren't that high because they're not getting those opportunities. College football is all about money. Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame make the most money. They bring people to the games, they had people that invest money into those programs, into NCAA football. That's the bottom line. Wish it wasn't that way. Not saying that these are not great football programs. They are. They get the top recruits, they have the top coaches, 
They do what they got to do to stay in those top positions. But as a sports fan that likes to see something different now and then, it would be cool to see one of these other teams knock them off the pedestal. At least for a year. Maybe two. Alabama and Notre Dame will meet in the Rose Bowl on January 1st. Clemson and Ohio State in the Sugar Bowl also January 1st. The Rose Bowl at 4 o'clock Central p.m. And the Sugar Bowl 7.45 Central p.m. The winner of those two games will play January 11th in the championship in Miami. I hate to say it, but I think it's going to be Alabama and Clemson. I really do. And I would like to see if Trevor Lawrence can leave the game of college football a champion. Didn't really have a shot against Joe Burrow and LSU last year. Clemson could do this. Clemson could knock off Alabama. I can see it. That's what I'm going to go with. Also, New Year's, the six bowl games as they call it. December 30th, the Cotton Bowl. Number six, Oklahoma. Number seven, Florida. That should be a great game. I'm going to go with OU. The Peach Bowl. Number eight, Cincinnati versus number nine, Georgia. I would love to see Cincinnati knock off Georgia. Georgia is another one of those teams that slide into the Final Four every other fifth year, sixth year as being a dominant team. January 2nd, the Fiesta Bowl, number 25, Oregon versus number 10, Iowa State. Oregon is 4-2, only won the Pac-12 championship because Washington decided to give up the rest of the season because of COVID-19. So Oregon moved in, won the Pac-12 game against USC, and now they find themselves in the Fiesta Bowl. Iowa State is tough. At 10, they beat Oklahoma earlier in the year and have looked pretty awesome all season. So I'm going Iowa State. January 2nd, the Orange Bowl, number five, Texas A&M against number 13, North Carolina. I think Texas A&M is going to blow them out. Other bowls that I think are important, January 1st, Auburn versus Northwestern, the Citrus Bowl, Auburn kind of fell off the last year or two. Northwestern, Big Ten team, couldn't match up with Ohio State, but I think they got a shot against Auburn. December 30th, the Music City Bowl, Iowa versus Missouri, just two usually pretty good Big Ten teams. This year, not either one of their years, but as a matchup for the Music City Bowl, I like it. I think it'll be entertaining. The craziness of the bowl schedule COVID-19 era. 16 bowls were canceled including the Radiance Technologies Bowl, which left Army without a bowl game. Head coach Jeff Monken not happy. Monken all over the press saying, why don't we get a chance to play? Get us in a bowl game. We want to play the game of football. They have nowhere to go at the moment. Besides the 16 being canceled, 22 teams opted out, including Big Ten squads, Penn State, Michigan State, Maryland, and Minnesota. There's a lot going on trying to be safe, and maybe safety and being home is more important than playing in a bowl game, which most won't really remember unless you were in it or you're a family member of somebody that was in it. That's about it. Also on the Big Ten note, football team's return time from COVID-19 will be 17 days instead of 21. Instead of having to quarantine that long, we're going to knock off four days. It's a little late, but they're trying to make up for their boggling they're juggling and failing and dropping everything throughout this season big 10 trying to make up for it it's just not working not working at all what is working even though it's getting a little cold is also construction 
They work hard to help their customers until it's no longer possible. Usually that's because of mother nature, but they can still do things inside. Renovations inside your home, maybe tiling in the kitchen, maybe working on an attic, fixing stairs, or if it's not inside your house, your garage, your shed. Olson Construction can do it all. Brothers Keith Milas and Tommy Olson will use their more than 10 years of experience to take care of your home renovations from start to finish with your thoughts and opinions taken with every step of the journey. The licensed and insured family owned and operated company prides itself in offering family prices with family honesty on any job. Whether it be roofing, siding, windows, doors, stairs, deck designs, floors and tiling, garage additions, room additions, or full remodels. With COVID-19 making it hard to celebrate the holidays, this may be a great time to make your home as comfortable and cozy as possible. For a free estimate, call Olson Construction at 815-910-5982. Check out the Olson Construction LLC page on Facebook or send an email to olsonconstruction19 at gmail.com. Few more things want to talk about before we get to Brian Cavelli. First, Ruby Gobert with the Utah Jazz signs a five-year, $205 million deal, which is the largest for a center ever in the history of NBA. I know Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Will Chamberlain, Willis Reed, Shaq did not play in an era where you can make $205 million for five years. But all of those previously named players probably deserve it or deserved it more than Rudy Gobert. Just saying. Congrats to him. He's a great player, defensive-wise. Gets some buckets here and there. He makes a difference. There's no doubt about that. Just don't know if he's worth that kind of money. We will find out. I drafted him on my NBA fantasy team this year. So we will find out real quick if he is worth that kind of money. Another deal, Kuzma, Kyle. Kyle Kuzma of the Los Angeles Lakers, three-year deal, $40 million, and he's got a player option for the 2023-24 season. This is a great idea for him. Why would you leave? Stay with the Lakers. Get your $40 million, play with LeBron James, play with Anthony Davis, get your buckets, get your shine with two of the best players that anybody's going to play with in this era probably maybe win another ring and you got the option later on maybe lebron leaves they're bringing another star you're not getting your shine whatever you already got your money you already got a ring or two then you can decide whether you stay or whether you go good move by him good move by the lakers because he is talented he can play helps them out a ton so great idea from kuzma and the lakers what is also a great idea is the NBA season starts tomorrow. I am pumped. Can't wait for the games to get underway. Love NBA ball and just excited to watch it happen. Very, very, very excited. Not trying to end the show on a down note. Have to send it rest in peace to Kevin Green. 58 years old, passed away today, 21st of December. 15-year NFL vet. Played with the Rams, the Steelers, the Panthers, the 49ers. Third in sacks with 160. That is impressive. 160 sacks. Whew. He was a monster. I remember watching him play. I remember him in WCW. If 
fighting Mongo McMichael, a Bears legend. I remember all that. Kevin Green was intense, hit hard, and loved the game of football. He loved it so much, played the way he did, earned him into the Hall of Fame in 2016. Gone way too early at 58 years old. Rest in peace, Kevin Green. Edge of Your Seat Podcast will be back Tuesday and Wednesday. We're going to do shows Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then take a little break for the Christmas holiday. Probably be back the following Monday. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we're going to break, we're going to rest, recharge some batteries, take some notes, get some more material for more amazingness at Edge of Your Seat Podcast. On Tuesday, we have LaSalle, Peru, girls golf coach Patrick Goy just accepted the position, has been an assistant with LP for the last few years. Now he gets a chance to take the reins of the LP girls golf team and guide them to success. On Wednesday, we have Justin Jacobson. This is his fourth time on the show. I think he's taking the lead here. Marshall Walk from Hall who just graduated, has been on the show three times. I think Justin Jacobson has the lead now with four. Not that we're keeping track here, but he took a new coaching job on the college level as he left Mendota High School boys ball to go to Saginaw Valley State in Michigan. Going back to the college ranks, that's where he wants to be. That's where his love is, and he is back as an assistant coach for Saginaw Valley State. So make sure you check those shows out. Listen on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, and the Edge of Your Seat podcast website, rss.com backslash podcast with an S backslash Edge of Your Seat podcast. Intro's done. Hopefully you enjoy the deep dive. Talk about some football, NFL, and college-wise. Throw in a couple signings, NBA. Excitement for the new season. And now we're off to the mastermind of music, in my mind anyway. Great producer, my friend, Brian Cavelli. Enjoy, we'll be back tomorrow. Until then, peace. Every single time you tune in to Edge of Your Seat Podcast, there's a beat at the intro and the outro that I was very, very lucky, very happy, very blessed to have on the show. Gets everybody pumped up to listen, pumped up to hear the next episode. And for this, this show, gotta have the creator, the man that made the beat on, Brian Cavelli. What is up, my dude? Uh, What's up, man? It's been a while. A long time. A long time. We probably have not spoke, spoke in at least five or six years. For sure. It's good to talk to you, man. Always, always, man. In college, like, we were all day, every day together. You, me, and a group of friends. Mm Mm-hmm. Happy house. The beer pong partners? Oh, uh, yeah. We were beer pong partners all the time. The bad thing is, is we never got into the, the team name. Yeah, I don't remember the team name either. And we were always not in the championship bracket. We tried, but couldn't get there. <laughs> Should have been in the NIT, man. <laughs> For real. But if we had other partners, then we did well. But together, we just didn't. Yep. Flockavelli, that was a good one. <laughs> I liked Flockavelli for sure. I've been watching you on this podcast, man. Or listening, I should say. I like what you're doing. I appreciate that, man. I have to do something. 
the newspaper business kind of drying out, not a lot of uh, money to be made. So I had to switch it up and working at a bank, now doing a podcast and keeping the love of journalism and just talking to people alive. Yeah, that's what's up. Love a good sports podcast. Definitely going to listen to you. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks. Let's start with what you're doing and then we'll talk some college memories because there's a ton there like we met our freshman years and they're still friends you know 16 years later so there's a lot of memories there and we're both huge sports fans got a lot to talk about but like i said you created the intro and outro beat for edge of your seat podcast but you have been making music for quite a long time and recently had a huge moment in your career and you know your personal music styles timberland oh yeah listen to some of your music Man, you have no idea. It, it made my, I don't want to say day, but it made my year. That's like my musical idol. So uh, that was craziness. Best thing that happened out of this pandemic. <laughs> I remember in college, you were driving your little red, I don't remember what kind of car it was, but it was red. Saturn. Saturn SC1 with three doors. The three-door Saturn. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. The three-door Saturn. And anytime I got in it, we were listening to Timberland. Oh, yeah. I bet. I used to try to recreate Timbaland beats. I mean, that's like, you know, when you uh, when you get to create, you got to, like, remake uh, and try to reverse engineer things. And that's definitely, that's my dude right there. That's, that's the guy that I look up to as far as uh, musically. Man, it was crazy to uh, be able to submit something and then have him listen to it and critique it live. See, I, I don't even know if you know the whole story, but I can go ahead and dive in. You heard of his old versus thing, right? Been going on where they have pit two people against each other, whether it's singers, producers, rappers. I have watched or listened to all of them except like two. I'm a huge fan of what they're oh, doing okay. on versus. Right. Okay. Good. Yeah. And so like him and um, Swiss Beats, they they put these things together, and so I was paying attention, following him on Instagram, and it might have been my wife just some somebody told me about him doing this thing on Twitch, which basically is known mostly for like yeah, streamers or people gaming in the gaming community, streaming things. But uh, Timbaland started doing his own little uh, live streaming thing where he started off mostly just in the studio making beats or telling stories about you know past studio experiences, stuff like that. So you know I'm tuning in. And he started doing this thing where it was, I think Thursday, someday, where people could submit. If you're a subscriber, you could submit your beats and he'll listen, critique them, clown them, whatever. Uh, so right away, I submitted, I don't know how many beats. There was no rules, so I just submitted a bunch of beats. And it wasn't that day. It was probably a week after that. I was tuning in, I think it was two times a week. And he just, all of a sudden, we put the kids to bed, Jess is playing Animal Crossing on the couch. I'm sitting there on the laptop, probably watching a game on TV and watching him on the laptop. And I hear him say, Coco Cavelli. I'm like, oh, dang. <laughs> just put, her, put the game down, looked at me. I was like, it's happening, it's happening. Ran over there and they, they say my name, start playing the beat, the first beat. And he gets up and he just walks out of the room. <laughs> first five seconds of the beat I'm like no he just cleaned he walked out of the room went to get a drink his engineer is sitting there bobbing his head making the stink face I'm like this is the best beat and he just walked out of the room so I was real salty and uh, he comes back to it he was listening the whole time he basically just said you know it was cool uh, a little busy gave 
a nice little critique, and then they played one more, and that one, he just started beatboxing too. He started singing along. He made it, made the song right on the spot, basically just uh, just saying a bunch of gibberish. And uh, man, that was that was a moment for me. I bet. And when I saw your, I don't know if you had it on Facebook or Snapchat, something I saw. <laughs> I, I saw what you had posted right away. Yeah, yeah, you did. It was I'm like instantly. So I'm watching that, yeah, and yeah. the first beat. Explain it to me. It had a bunch of animals in it. it was like a cow and. <laughs> yeah. Dude, man, I made that. I made this beat called. I think it's just called Moo. <laughs> it has animal sounds in it, and it's heavily influenced by like Timbaland, right? Like you know the baby crying, the beatboxing going on. I thought I'm going to send him beats that, you know, should be something that maybe he would gravitate towards. And he just got up and walked out of the room. Didn't even mention anything about the animals. So I was thinking, ah, I didn't make it, didn't didn't get it. Uh, and yeah, he, he played the next one. And it was like an R&B one. I didn't think that that was going to be the one that got him. And he loved it. And, and basically he made a whole song to it right on the spot. And then... It was on Twitch, so I got to record it. Like, a lot of people, if you're in the room with uh, A&Rs or whatever, you don't get to record that moment. I, I have it. Even though I wasn't there physically, I have a recording of him beatboxing, and, man, that's priceless. That's something you're never going to forget. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, obviously, ever since that day, I've been submitting... Uh, you know, every other week, sometimes I'll take a few weeks, because, uh, man, he's, he's on there all the time, unless there's a versus going on. It has not always gone that well. <laughs> I've definitely submitted stuff, and he does this thing called Walk the Plank, where if he doesn't like a beat, I mean, he's listening to, like, hundreds of beats during these sessions, and sometimes he'll listen for, like, five, six seconds, and then instant, just, nope, throw him off the plank, <laughs> and then there's an uh, engineer dude play some video of uh, Wendy or whoever walking the plank and Peter Pan getting tossed in the in the water and that's it. That's just a uh, rite of passage. You you uh, <laughs> like he would say. Sometimes you can play a hundred beats and they'll all be no's, and then that hundred and one. That's that's the one right there. So it has not been all success. <laughs> I say the vast majority have been no's. So you have walked the plank. Oh, so many times, and I get so salty over those because I'm like, man, this is this is it. This is gonna impress everyone. <laughs> Listen for like four seconds, get the buzzer. So you got these two that went through. You got Moo, which we had already talked about it, but on the comments because people can comment when they're listening to them. And there was a couple people like, is that a cow? Where are we at? Oh, like, yeah. what is this? Is that a chicken? <laughs> like, it was hilarious just reading the comments. Oh, it's cool. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, I do uh, I do a few of these stream things. I've done one with this uh, group called Beat Stars, uh, like a production community. And then they have one where, uh, what's it called? Like, Roast My Beat. And all it is is they play beats and no matter what, I mean, it's just people roasting and it's gold. So it's good to, like, if you're a creative, you want to you wanna make stuff, but you don't want to just have it sitting there at home, whether it's music, whatever it is. You, you want to show the world, and that's how you get better is just through critiques. I mean, whether it's just people clowning, clowning your, uh, your stuff, uh, that's the only way to improve, right, is to uh, have people critique it, and you'll know what to do from there. I mean, I, I've probably gone back and remixed 
at least 20, 30 older beats that I had just from getting feedback, whether it's from the man himself, Timbaland, whether it's from his engineer, whether it's from the production community or just friends, family, whatever. It's, it's just, just how you improve. I know I've talked a lot about the movie, but the second one that you were talking about that Timberland had started to make a song on, that was actually one of the favorites, one of my favorites that I've ever heard from you. And I've listened to tons of your beats, whether it was on your SoundCloud, actually in your you know dorm room or listening to them wherever. You sent me some. You sent me like CDs full of your beats. And that one was probably my favorite. The intro to that, the way the kind of slow, long, long beginning. Yeah. To the beat when the the drums drop, I'm like, oh my god, he's got me with this one. <laughs> yeah, man, it's, it's one of my favorites for sure. I honestly didn't think it was gonna be the one though. It's like a slower, slower beat. It was really made as an R and B song, and then uh, I mean, you know how it is. Everything is crossover now, so it really just worked. And man, I'm, I'm happy for it. And <laughs> I just want to bring up, used to be in the studio. You can call it the dorm room, but it's the studio. It used to be in there learning how to make beats. Remember that? Yeah, you taught me everything I know. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll try to dabble. Like, I still got programs, and I'll still do it here and there. And I've helped other people with their beats off of the information and off everything that you taught me. So I got to give you a props and a shout-out for that as well. <laughs> I swear to you, I remember teaching you what the downbeat was. <laughs> I swear, teaching you, man, down to, like, where the kick and the snare goes, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's like the the inception or the the very beginning of the road. So I, I hope you're still making stuff. You got to send me some stuff, man. Yeah, I do here and there. I mean, with the podcast and I wrote for, man, 15 years and everything else I've been doing, I don't do it as much. But yeah, here and there, I'll, I'll put down a beat and uh, still got it a little bit, but... There you go. It's all because of stuff you taught me, no doubt. Man, I wish you, man, you got to send me something. <laughs> I will. I will. I don't have the stuff that we worked on from college, so that's, that's a bummer. But, man, that that would be uh, that would be gold. We actually have, uh, man, speaking of college, uh, I still have some of the tracks that we did, the uh, Happy House song. I don't know if you remember that. I'll have to send that your way. I do remember the Happy House song. And we got to tell everybody what the Happy House is because we said it like two or three times. I want you to tell them the story, though. Well, let's see. Where do you start with the Happy House? I mean, it's just a a party house down in Carbondale. And uh, they would have little beer pong tournaments and and our friends would run run those tournaments, run the the little house party. What, we were there, you know, whenever there was a tournament, right? I want to say we were there like three or four times a week. I was trying to trying to play it cool. <laughs> <laughs> we were there a lot. Yeah, no, was, I mean, we're still friends with with, uh, with all those dudes, so good times. Yeah, I wish I got to talk to them more, but, you know, as we get older and we're all doing our own things and we're all spread all across the United States yeah. of America, but thank God for, like, Facebook and stuff like that where we can still stay in touch with them. Right. I mean, instead of hooping in person, now we hoop on 2K. Yeah, we did. If we were not at the Happy House, we were at the SIU Rec playing ball. <laughs> right? Oh, oh, I remember a good story. You'll deny it, but I remember this one. Remember going to the Rec with Burton? <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> I know exactly what you're going to say. Oh, you know where I'm going. <laughs> we, 
we were, we were playing 21 or something. Or maybe it was either 21 or two on two. But this little kid was there, man. And it was maybe me and a little kid on a team. Or maybe we were just playing 21. I don't know what it was. But that little kid crossed you, man. He had handles. He had handles. He had handles, and he definitely crossed you. Man, if it was a social media era, that would have been viral for sure. <laughs> and it would have, too, because I wasn't really... breaker. Yeah, because I, I, like, try to take pride in my defense, and this kid did break me. He had a nice crossover, and I bit the wrong way, and he went right around me. It is what it is. I mean, it happens to everybody. I've definitely been at the wreck. I remember playing a team... Just, uh, you know, one of those full court sessions, and these dudes were, were, I mean, they were just winning next, winning next, and we went on, uh, I don't know who was on my team, but they were just clowning. I mean, they were, they bounced the ball in front of me and over me, and the dude caught it for an oop, and he didn't convert it, but if he did, I would have walked right out, just clean out. <laughs> nah, nah, we're not going to do that. <laughs> I can't remember because we would have like different groups of the different um, recreational leagues that they would have. And there was a three-on-three basketball league. And I don't know if it was you that couldn't play, but it ended up being Andreas, Webby, same guy. Webby is his nickname. And then Coco. And I played with with those two. So it was us three. And the finest moments of my SIU recreational career were both in that game. The one... I bounced past between somebody's legs to Coco, who was cutting for a layup. That was sick. And then the next one is I went behind my back, past the guy, between my legs to another guy, and then a reverse layup. The only two memories that I have where I was awesome. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> just, just cut everything else out. Oh, man, that was a lot of fun. Uh, now I play 2K with Webby, like all the time and I'm trying to remember how he was in person uh, and all I can remember is that he would make good cuts and would never catch the ball you'd throw this man a dime and he would just fumble it out of bounds and he's going to listen to this and he's going to be so mad but I mean that's just what I remember <laughs> he does the same thing in 2K man I know you're on Playstation we're on Xbox but man this dude he gets in the paint and then he just runs clean out of bounds I'm man I, I, I can't get you the ball any cleaner than this man you, you just got to dunk it that's his MO I guess <laughs> in his defense yep. the man could set a pick like, if you needed to go one way, he was there to pretty much clothesline the other guy. Man, I mean, maybe this is just his dude in real life. It's just him. Yeah, probably. Man, you gotta get on there. You gotta throw the PlayStation in the garbage. You gotta come over to the Xbox, come to the dark side. You'll have a great time. I guess I got to. I didn't realize everybody that we kind of grew up with in college is all on the Xbox, and I'm over here on the PlayStation. I know. Yeah, I wish there was some cross-player or something. Maybe there is, I don't know. But uh, it's fun, for sure. I'll go on there a couple times a week, and uh, that's that's kind of how I stay connected to those zoos. I mean, really, it's like, like you said, everyone's far away now. Then you got the pandemic. We're home all the time here. You know, besides Facebook, that's, that's the way you stay connected. Man, probably a couple nights a week. Good times, man. Now Good you memories. got my mind, like, racing through college memories. Of course... With right. the rec leagues, I mean, we played flag football, we played dodgeball, with the little styrofoam balls that were like super small, but you just try to whip them as hard as you could. Man, he just said flag football, and I looked at my hand, I still got this boo-boo finger from uh, grabbing someone's flag. They never really reset it correctly. <laughs> it's no good when I go bowling. So you still have an injury from flag football? Oh yeah, <laughs> it's messed up, man. 
Doesn't look right. We would play Ultimate, Ultimate Frisbee. We did that. Even further back, probably freshman year, when we were over in the, uh, what, the Wright building, right? I remember playing football over there on the, the field. It's like real far out there, but we played, uh, we played a game out there. I, I'm sure you were there, right? But, uh, I was totally there. I was definitely there. Man, people were getting crushed. I mean, it was like people getting to know each other. This was like, the, you know, freshman year, first semester probably. <laughs> people were just trying to lay people out on that field. I remember I set a block. I don't know if it was you or Khalil. It was one of the two of you. I remember I set a block and I smashed this dude, knock him down, and I turn around and whoever was on that guy's team laid me out. I was laying there for a few seconds. I didn't even know if I was going to get up. Like, that was rough. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Lots of fun, though. Lots of fun. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, when you and Jess, who had been, have you guys been dating since high school? Oh, yeah, man. We, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, Jess used to come over to our, to our, our place down in Carbondale, babysit uh, our cat. <laughs> That's what I was getting at. I would come in. Uh, oh, you're going there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, would, no. I would come and watch Pearl Acker when you guys would, you know, come up north. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pearl Acker's still here, man. All three of my kids, uh, they're real attached to that cat. It's crazy because, I mean, Pearl Acker's what, 15 maybe? That's a guess, 14 or 15. When you lived in that apartment that I came over to, that had to have been, well, what year did Joakim Noah get drafted? You were in that apartment then. Yeah, man, I don't know. Yeah, we're talking, <laughs> we're talking at least. Google that. <laughs> yeah, we're talking at least a good 15, 14 years. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, now you're making me think of the good bulls, Joakim Noah, and then D-Rose later, man. I remember at that very apartment, it was you, me, and Token, shout out to Steve Falconer, and oh, yeah. watching that draft, and I remember Joakim Noah, and of course those Florida teams were good, but I'm like, mm -hmm. no way, man, why don't we get him? There's these offensive guys that we need. I was happy. I know you were, and so was Token, and I was kind of the odd man out, but I'm like, ah, they could have got this guy, and I don't remember who it was, but I'm glad they got Joakim now looking back. Oh yeah, for sure. What's his name now? Uh, I can't remember his IG handle. Stickity. Something like that. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was always into the Florida teams because I'm from Florida. My uh, mom went to University of Florida. I'm kind of, uh, I'm always going to be leaning towards anybody coming out of Florida, you know, if they're good. That Bulls team during that era, those couple of years, they can never really get over the edge. But, I mean, that those were fun times. I'd give anything for our team to be at least that good right now. Oh, man, I swear. Same here. So you got to be happy that Billy Donovan is now the head coach. Yep, yep. Yeah. So it's a long road, right? I mean, that's like, that's a great move. But, man, it's been rough watching this team. So we'll see where the roster goes, right? Yeah, because that's what's most important. But real quick, before we yeah. keep talking sports and keep going on, we mentioned Jess, your wife. Shout out to Jessica. I've not talked to her since. Last time I see you was probably a Zoo Lights, Lincoln Park Zoo, about six years ago. Yep. I mean, that's, yep, six years ago. That was a fun day. Had, uh, had you up in Chicago. We went to Zoo Lights. Had my kids there. I think we got pizza, right? Didn't we go to a pizza spot? We did. We right got some there. deep dish. I mean, you can't go to Chicago yeah. and not keep deep dish pizza. Yeah, I guess so. That's weird, though, because, I, man, we don't really get to eat just that much, but uh, if you're uh, you're in town, we're going to go to the best spot, right? 
Got to, got to. So, married to Jess, and you guys have three kids. How old and what are their names? Three kids, eight, six, and two. Uh, Sophia, the oldest, and then Alex, the middle child, and Izzy, or Isabella, uh, two years old. And we're all seeing each other all the time, quarantined in the house. <laughs> so, we know each other real well now. <laughs> I bet. A lot of close family time. Oh, yeah, for sure. They're doing, uh, the older two are doing school here at home in their rooms, and then it's just a lot of craziness, and we're working from home, so uh, we're, we're, we're close. <laughs> what I love about your closeness with your family and with your music-producing abilities, you merge the two. I see videos all the time where, you know, it's a beat that you've created, but you got videos of your kids, yeah. whether... You know, they're on the drum machine or they're just bobbing their head and you integrate them I'm with glad what you you're see doing. That. Yeah, man, I love I'm it. I'm glad you see that. That is the most fun. Honestly, it's so much fun to do that. I haven't done one. We haven't done like an official one in a while. Like the last one we did was more like an unofficial one where I, I just, uh, I did it on Snapchat or something with Izzy in it. But the last official one, Izzy wasn't even born yet. So it's been at least two years it was like a series we were making called Alex and, and Fia Make a Beat. And that's how old it is. We don't even call her Fia anymore. She's Sophia now. She's grown, outgrown that nickname. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a series where they uh, recreate a beat that I made, and I try to make it look like they made it from scratch. <laughs> and it, it's fun. I'm glad you see that. Those videos were so awesome to watch. And like I said, to see you be able to integrate, you know, your adult family life with something you've been doing pretty much your entire life. That was really cool to see. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, uh, I, honestly, I thought production, you know, making beats was my favorite thing, but I, I gotta say being a parent is my favorite thing now. So that sounds corny, but that's, that's the truth. So making those videos is, is the best. It's okay to put a little corn syrup on the podcast. That's okay. Uh, I'm good, good. Because, I mean, hey, that's the truth. Uh, we got to, you just sparked my creativity. And we, we have to put together a new video. There we go. There we go. Hopefully, you know, Edge of Your Seat podcast just sparked another series of kid Cavelli videos because those were awesome. <laughs> You'll get the exclusive premiere, man. Oh, I like it. I like it. That's what I wanted to hear. Complex is going to have to wait. <laughs> So obviously we've talked a lot about you making beats and stuff like that. Let's go back to the beginning. When did you start diving into this? So we meet college 2004 and you were already pretty good. Where did you start and why did you decide to keep running with it? Man, I picked that up probably sophomore year of high school, I think. It was electronic music class. I think, uh, man, it's hard to even remember the very, the, the source, but, uh, you know, we all had computers and you know trying different creative things and i had i downloaded some program and i would just try to recreate uh nerd kanye west like any anything that i liked i was just trying to like reverse engineer and recreate these uh these beats and at the beginning it wasn't very good <laughs> like it's just, it's just what it is and uh then i had electronic music class at my high school and you know you start to some music lessons in the past, so it wasn't like starting from zero. It's a different thing trying to pick up how to use like a, a digital audio workstation, how to uh, arrange things uh, on a computer, how to use an MPC, how to use a keyboard, MIDI, all that stuff. As way at the beginning, just 
basically making real whack beats <laughs> and trying to give them to high school rappers. And that's, that's just what it was in the beginning. And then, uh, as the years go on, you get better and better at it. And I started to take it more serious and started to work with bigger names. I used to send beats to, I mean, anyone local that would get on like Power 92 or any of the stations I'm listening to, I would send them CDs. And there was a, a rapper named Arrogant who had a song, I can't remember what his, his song was that was on the radio. And I sent him a thing of beats, his manager called, we started linking up, I started making beats for him. And it just kind of goes from there. And then down at SIU, same thing. There was, you know, people would pass the beat CDs to different people and then I would link up and start working with them. That's just the nature of it, right? Most I hope I answered your question. Oh, yeah, you did. You did. I haven't thought about this stuff in a while. Who are some of the artists that you've worked with? I mean, throughout all these years, who are some of the ones that stick out to you as great artists that you enjoyed working with? Honestly, the people I work with the closest. So, I mean, it's one thing to just send beats off and have it get picked up or chosen or whatever, but it's, it's another thing to actually sit there in the studio and craft it with people that become your friends, right? So instantly I'm going to name Prelude to a Million. We're actually working on some stuff, uh, getting some stuff mixed right now. I wish I had something to promote, but it's coming. We got we got a track coming out with uh, another artist on the hook who I work with, Peter Jericho. He's a singer. Uh, he's got a lot going on. I always try to get stuff placed on his his albums. But um, my high school friends, we had a group called Illa Tribe. Definitely one of my favorite uh, groups to work with. We've done a lot of sports anthems, which I'm sure you've heard. <laughs> the uh, Bears song, the Bulls song, the, all that stuff. I was going to get to the Bears song. I was going to get to the Bears song. <laughs> yeah, that's Illa Tribe right there. Even though they, they don't make anything new, we always have those sports anthems at least. Let's break down the Bears song. Somebody that was with the Bears organization at the time kind of did you win a contest or they picked it for something or how did that work out again? So Chris Harris was the safety for the Bears and at the time I was an, an intern at Racks Tracks Recording Studio. It's just kind of uh, a random coincidence as far as I, re I remember seeing that he wanted, uh, he had some social media posts that was basically like, maybe it was Twitter remake the Bears anthem, or fight song, that's what it was, just remake the Bears fight song, modern fight song, you know, some little informal contest, and you'll win recording studio time. They didn't even say what studio, but uh, I submitted, I don't know how many people submitted. We, we created this, uh, this Bears fight song, bearing down the song, if you want to look it up. <laughs> yeah, we submitted it, and it won. And then we went to the studio and, and re-recorded it uh, a little more professionally. So with there's two versions. We won not only the studio time, but we won tickets to the Bears-Jets game where Chris Harris sealed it with a pick. So it was kind of uh, definitely very memorable. I mean, I remember we were sitting real close, closer than I've ever sat at a Bears game in the end zone. Johnny Knox did a little uh, uh, toe-tap touchdown on the uh, side of the end zone where we were. I have to Google what year that was, but man, that was one of the best Bears game experiences, and we won we won those tickets through Chris Harris, so that was, that was awesome. It's kind of cool to just listen to you talk about the things that you've been able to do with music, because I know personally how much you love what you're doing, and then to have these extra cool you know, things happen, these events, it's got to be pretty awesome for you as somebody that is doing this and seeing what you can achieve. Man, I mean, look, I'm not 
not big time or anything. This is, but it, it is, there's something to just putting yourself out there, right? I mean, we could have made the song and, you know, not submitted it. We could have, uh, same thing with the Timberland thing. I could have just, I could have been scared and just, eh, maybe it's not ready and not submit it. But sometimes you just got to put yourself out there. I mean, maybe it won't work out. Maybe it will. But, I mean, the key is you just got to, you got to try, right? You got to take those chances. Message time. That's exactly what that just message, was. Message. Message. <laughs> <laughs> Telling these young kids, don't be scared to put yourself out there. If you're doing something and you're happy for it, do it. It's kind of crazy that you say prelude to a million. I knew those guys pretty well, at least a couple of them. And after leaving Carbondale, I graduated in 2010. I came back up to the hometown Mendota. 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 Remember that? I do remember that. I do remember that. You used to say that every single time. That's bringing back good memories. Mendota. So I come back out to Mendota, and there's a bar. I don't remember which bar it was. And there's a DJ, and I'm like, man, that dude looks super familiar. Who is that? And then somebody said, you know, I got to go talk to my guy, Danny. And I'm like, that's him. That's TikTok. It was TikTok? Yeah. So I walk Uh, up, and I'm like, hey, man. He's like, Brandon, hey, what's going on? And I'm like, (laughs) oh, oh my God. Like, this is so crazy. Because we spent some time doing music and stuff. And, you know, he'd come around, and you were making beats, and... I had totally not forgot about him, but it had been a couple, at least a year or two since I had seen him. And then all of a sudden, he's DJing at a bar in my hometown. That's wild. Yeah. Man, I honestly, I forget who knows who, right? I mean, <laughs> like, I feel like after college, I've been working with them a lot. They come up to the studio. He lived up here, right? Right up near me. They had an apartment right right down the street. It's probably less than uh, six blocks away. And I, I forget who knows who and where I even met some people. I mean, I obviously knew them from SIU, from down in Carbondale. But that's wild to hear that, that he, like, you know him or met him there. Yeah, I actually still have one of their CDs. I don't remember what it is and I don't remember what's on it. But I have it somewhere in my huge CD collection somewhere. Awesome. <laughs> Physical CDs? Dang. Yeah. <laughs> I don't listen to them, but I still have them. I keep them for, <laughs> I guess, momental purposes. All scratched up. Yeah. <laughs> you get it all on Spotify now. Their yeah. stuff, man, they got a lot of a lot of albums, a lot of uh, even collab albums. Definitely should check out some stuff if you haven't heard in a while. Oh, yeah. I do all the time. All I do, if I'm not podcasting or working at the bank, I'm listening to music. That's all I do. There you go. Nice. So we mentioned the Bears, the Bears song. This has kind of been a hard season to kind of digest as a Bears fan. Man, next question. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, it is so bad. It's like, uh, I knew you were going to want to bring up the Bears at some point, and man, it's rough. Look, I'm the guy that always has faith. Beginning of the season, I'm saying, eh, nine wins, ten wins. Their defense, you know, I'm, I'm arguing for them, but man, this is this is the year where I just said, nah, they got to start losing. I don't think I've ever been that dude that says, look, they got to tank for a better draft pick or something. And I, we're past that point getting those, those lucky wins, but it's losing time for a number of reasons. I mean, we need to clean house. It is embarrassing. This is honestly the worst offense I can remember for the Bears. I mean, I, I can't even think of a worse showing on offense uh, in my 
you say cleaning house, I mean, does it start with Pace and Nagy? I mean, do we get rid of the... Yeah. Start with the GM and the coach? Do we replace them and that's what we start with? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's clear. Honestly, like, it, it's been talked about ad nauseum, right? I mean, you you got to get rid of Pace. The, the quarterback decision was brutal, and that's what makes or breaks you, right? I mean, that's what gets you hired and fired. You have made a proven mistake, compounded it. You know, the team is what it is because of those decisions. So, yeah, it's it's a clean house moment. That's that's what the Bears fans are calling for, right? I mean, this isn't just a small segment of people. This is this is everybody. This is clear. And I remember when Mitchell Trubisky was drafted, it was said almost the moment they said his name, like Nagy, Pace, they're going to live or die with this choice. And it is becoming true that that's what is happening. Oh, it's laughable. I mean, honestly, just, look, it would have been one thing if they made this genius pick, right, and they, they, had their, they got their guy and he performed well. Uh, that's what they're hoping for, but it didn't turn out that way. So now they're completely open to the obvious criticism of moving up to take a guy that hadn't proven it that you know was at North Carolina doing doing nothing uh and you know you're, you're skipping guys who are now in the league you know everyone knows the story but uh all I'm saying is look it didn't work out they didn't they didn't uh get that magical pick by moving up they got played and uh you know there's consequences right yeah, because Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson did not make it easy for Mitchell Trubisky. The two guys that were picked after, I mean... The obvious. I mean, those, like you had to pick those guys. You go for a guy from North Carolina who wasn't doing anything. I mean, honestly, it's triggering me, right? Because now we're talking about the Bulls and uh, everyone's, everyone's making the case like, oh, this dude from Florida State who didn't even start. Uh, that, that's who we picked? Man, uh... <laughs> I'm in that same mindset right now. Like, I can't bring myself, like, to be convinced for these these stretches. These, like, oh, we're going to stretch and go for this dude. But at least, at least with the Bulls, it still has to all play out, right? I mean, I'll shut my mouth if if this kid proves himself. But, uh, you know, with Mitch Trubisky, we already see it. It didn't work out. Well, Patrick Williams could work if, if the Bulls have money. They have contract that's coming up. They have money to get stars. If they can get a... No, don't tell me stars. Come on, man. No, <laughs> I know. I know. We're talking about the Bulls, and they're not all very good at this. Like LeBron, all the way back to Kobe. Like, we're always supposed to get stars, right? We always we, yeah. we get garbage. I mean, look, I'm a, I'm, I'm a huge Bulls fan, but, uh, but no one's coming here. <laughs> this isn't the destination. Right. Like, we can have all the money in the world. Other teams have all the money in the world, too, and, and uh, Chicago's not the destination. we got to build it, and uh, you got to make make this here. And it shouldn't be that way, right? I mean, the Bulls, as a franchise, should not be looked at as like a small market team that uh, superstars don't want to go to. Name one. Name one time it's worked out for us, huh? Yeah, without getting somebody in the draft, it really hasn't. But right. they, they can, I guess, rewrite history or get maybe not stars, but compatible players. Maybe they become like the Detroit Pistons, oh three, oh four, where you had good players. None of them are first ballot Hall of Famers and Rip Hamilton, Chauncey Billups, Ben Wallace. None of those guys are like, oh, my God, they're the best players in the world. 
But you put them together. And Andre is real happy right now. <laughs> I know, right? He's from Detroit, and we're talking about his team. Oh, yeah. But you add Tayshawn Prince. You add some of those guys that were role players that did their jobs well, and then, bam, all of a sudden, you're beating the Los Angeles Lakers for an NBA championship. I am not happy with the Patrick Williams pick. Definitely. You got the fourth pick in the draft. You are taking a six-man-of-the-year guy. Not my thought process when you got the fourth pick. But if they can build, not around him, build a team that he can prosper with and grow, then maybe. The Chicago Bulls resume track record doesn't say that they can do that. But if they did, maybe we'll look back in five, ten years and be like, okay, we got a solid pick, maybe the fourth or fifth best guy out of this draft because we don't know what's going to happen with the rest of the guys either. Right, I mean, that'd be great. That, look, I, that's why I said there's, uh, it has to play out. And he's very young. Uh, and obviously, we got uh, new guys in charge making those decisions that uh, we can't say we don't trust them, right? So they clearly know more than me. And they, they made this pick. Uh, I think I'm just a little stung with the whole uh, Ryan Pace <laughs> stretch that that uh, I'm just associating everything as far as making that, that stretch pick just feeling like, yeah, it's not going to work out. Garbage. I'm that dude boy. As Chicago fans, we are trained to think this way now. Yeah, that's what it is. I think that's what it is. I'm an optimist in real life, but uh, as far as sports go, outside of my soccer fandom it's been rough so i'm a pessimist as far as sports <laughs> just train that way we're gonna get back to soccer in just a second but i have to bring this up as well as we're talking about the chicago letdown i mean the cubs had this team win a world series break this crazy long drought that we're blaming goats and all this other stuff for and then we're saying, hey, they could do this again for the next four or five years we got all this great talent you know it's gonna happen Talk about a crazy letdown and not know what's going on with a Chicago organization. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've never been the biggest baseball fan, but I grew up a Cubs fan just being on the north side. So I always defer and I'll listen to people like uh, like Burton. I mean, that's Burton brand. Well, you know, the people that are the, the true Cubs fans. And man, when after that World Series, it was it was all good. Outlook for for a couple of years. My uh, my boss at work, huge Cubs fan, and he gets into the weeds with it with as far as uh, contracts. And I mean, he was just giddy as can be. So, like you said, <laughs> it's uh, when it doesn't work out, and now we're we're seeing the complete dismantling of it. Uh, it's kind of kind of shocking. That's just sports, though. No doubt. And when you say Burton, we're talking about our buddy from SIU, Burton Patterson, and Brandon Cunningham, another one of our good friends that were definitely part of those happy house times. I mean, honestly, uh, I forget that we're doing a podcast. I'm just remembering, you know, I'm just saying these names. You're like, yeah, man, it's been a while. So many good times and so many good people that we ran across. That's the best part of these podcasts is you're just talking and the brain, the memory just starts flowing. I put a pause on soccer. We got to get back to that because you are Colombian, which in my mind means you like soccer. Not trying to be stereotypical or anything, but 
knowing you as a friend, we've been friends for a long time. You've always been the only guy that I know that I could say something about soccer, and you're going to list off players and teams, and I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it, it is weird sometimes that, uh, you know, as a soccer fan, it's hard to, you can't just, you can't bring up soccer the way you can bring up the Bears and the Bulls and just everyone can, can jump in the conversation. It's definitely true. If I start bringing up Liverpool, that's my team, you know, for 15 years now. <laughs> and if I bring up man, no one knows what I'm talking about. No one, including me, and I'm a huge sports guy. I have no idea when it comes to that. Man, you don't, you don't keep up with the Champions League? What's wrong with you, man? Yeah. Liverpool just won the Champions League the year before? Oh, man, you're missing out. <laughs> and gambling is legal now. Got to get on that soccer betting, man. There's a lot going on. If I was to gamble on soccer, I might as well just give my money to the poor. <laughs> I'm... No, it's easy. Low-scoring sport. There's favorites, heavy favorites. Eh. I mean, I guess it's obviously not that easy. <laughs> I'm saying I might as well just give my money to somewhere, donate it to a right. righteous cause, because that's pretty much what I'd be doing if I was gambling on soccer. Well, that, that would be the smarter move for sure. Actually, you paused a soccer game just to join this podcast. Oh, yeah. I got I, I paused it. They're actually losing right now. Well, like 60, 70 minutes left, so I feel good about that's my, my squad, Liverpool. They're playing some scrub team. Full of I might as well speak a different language right now. <laughs> it's kind of like you come off in German or something. Yeah. <laughs> you don't play FIFA? I mean, that's usually how people get into soccer is uh, playing FIFA. That's Everyone plays FIFA, man. You got to get on that. I think I need to. I actually saw it come up on one of the, the sales. You know, uh, PlayStation's always trying to do these holiday sales just like everybody else that sells anything. And... Mm-hmm. I saw FIFA on there, and I instantly thought of you. And I was like, <laughs> Brian still loves this game. Cavelli is probably still playing this right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not, like, competitive, you know, playing in tournaments for money. But uh, I dabble. Have you got your kids playing FIFA yet? Yes. <laughs> Alex is uh, actually a big gamer. But we started with FIFA. And I think he's played 2K once, but he is actually, uh, we got a Nintendo Switch, and he is just insanely impressive. Man, I, I'm trying to think of all the games that this kid has beat in the last year. I mean, one year ago, this kid was crying about, you know, losing in Mario Kart uh, at, what, five years old. And six now, and he's beaten Zelda Breath of the Wild. He's beaten all the Mario games, Mario Odyssey. I mean, these are games, I'm trying to think back to my childhood and the equivalent, and there was no way I'm beating these type of games at that age. So <laughs> I don't know if it's the, the pandemic and just uh, getting more time here in the house, but this kid is like a, a video game prodigy. He wants his own Twitch stream. Oh, wow. Are you going to let him have it? Not at this age, but uh, I will say we've we've done some fake ones where I'll record them and make a little uh, YouTube video for them, but we're not doing the real, he's not getting the Twitch stream at his age, but I will say it's definitely impressive seeing these kids game. I mean, both, uh, and then Sophia's playing computer games, and it's just, it's ridiculous seeing these kids uh, able to do these complex things, play these complex games at such a young age, it's wild. 
when you said you were trying to think back to your childhood and games, you and I are the same age. When you say that, I'm thinking Mario 3, where you could fly with the little raccoon tail. Oh, yeah. He's playing that. I mean, they have all the throwback stuff on there, too. It's ridiculous. But, yeah, like, uh, we're, we're about the same age. And I'm thinking, when I say, like, equivalent, I'm thinking of, like, these 3D open-world games, you know, from our day, like Zelda. Can't even think of the, the, the actual name. Like, Zelda Ocarina of Time, I think is what it's called. And I think I was in middle school when... I would play that game, and that game took forever. I needed the little book. I had to go buy it from maybe GameStop, whatever the store was at the time. And now they can just go on YouTube and get tutorials, and it's it's wild. I mean, at, at five, six years old, to, to be beaten a game like that is insane. Very insane. The only game that I beat when I was a kid was Zelda, the one for Super Nintendo. I don't know the name of it, but... Super Nintendo or 64? Super Nintendo. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was thinking of 64, so I, honestly, I can't even remember what age I was. I'd have to go down memory lane. The only reason I remember, because that was the only game I had, because it came with the system, and I played it every single second I got a chance to, and that's the only reason I beat it. It took me probably like three years. Still trying to beat it. Mm, right. It's still beating it now. <laughs> After I get off the phone with you, I'm going to put on my Super Nintendo and play right. some Zelda. <laughs> hey, if you still have that, that's probably worth some money. Nah, I think I sold it to upgrade to the 64. Yeah, like everyone. Where, where are all these Nintendos that we sold back to GameStop? Right, right. They just melted them and turned them into the new PlayStations or something. Yeah, exactly. Well, we've been on the phone for a while. It has been awesome catching up. We always play a game on Edge of Your Seat Podcast, so we got to play one with you, too, Cavelli. Oh, oh. I hope you got your gloves on. We're going to play some Hot Potato. It gets hot. Hot Potato, let's go. And you got a deformed finger, so hopefully you got like a... <laughs> ah, dang. Boo-boo finger. <laughs> All right, let's start with the most epic one. Jordan or LeBron? Jordan. Wait, wait, wait. I gotta, let me just say, I am no LeBron hater. He is a role model, but Jordan, all day. I love it. You know me, I'm the same way. We grew up, same era, and I've never been far from Chicago while you're in Chicago, so yeah, it's Jordan all day. All day. Gonna take this back to a college debate that you and I had started, and then we would go around a bar, or at least I would go around a bar, and ask everybody. So we're gonna take this from 2000, I'm gonna say six or seven, to 2020. Eminem or Lil Wayne? Eminem. Wrong. Wrong answer. <laughs> Wrong. I knew you would say that. Look, I got the same thing. I got nothing against him, but you're asking me to pick on the spot. Easy. <laughs> I know, I know. That's the beauty of these things. And we're still, I love it. 13, 14 years later, still saying the same people we were riding with then. I mean, I'm saying, I'm, I'm right, you're wrong. Still. This is video games. FIFA or NBA 2K? E that. Wow. Sophie's choice. I, 2K. And I'll say because I feel playing 2K during this pandemic, uh, getting to reconnect with college friends and everything has been has been a blessing. So that is what is taking 2K over the edge. But if I'm just turning on and playing it by myself, FIFA. Is that, is that a fair 
I didn't really pick that. <laughs> I like it. We we can keep it in that little gray area. We're between holidays, between Thanksgiving, Christmas, only a couple weeks away. Turkey or ham? Ham. Yeah. I mean, turkey's wet. <laughs> I mean, we get turkey for Thanksgiving, but that's like, I could do without turkey. So could I, to be honest with you, for sure. Right? I mean, like, you gotta, like, for it to be done well, you gotta, like, deep fry it. You gotta do all, like, look, it's clearly inferior if it's that hard. True, true. We talked about video games and which one you like better on the game, but what about in real life, playing soccer or basketball? Playing? Uh, I'll say playing basketball. I mean, soccer, I did a league a couple of years ago, and, man, I, nothing tells you you're out of shape. Well, I, same for basketball. You pour in a few full courts, but soccer on an open field. You remember Dan Linehan? I do. This dude was... Yeah, he was a, a defender in this league. We were playing uh, one of the fields on Lakeshore Drive. I would drive all the way from Northbrook just to get there on time. And it was fun, but that's rough. I mean, I played midfield as a kid, and I can only play defense now where I can just chill, right? I mean, <laughs> like it's like, where do you hide the out-of-shape person? <laughs> so uh, I will say, <laughs> I will say playing soccer uh, is a ton of fun. Actually, I, I started playing, you, you probably don't know what futsal is, but it's like, imagine uh, indoor soccer on a basketball court with a slightly heavier ball that doesn't bounce as much. That's what futsal is, a smaller, slightly heavier ball. And it gets it gets pretty competitive. It's like the and one of, of soccer. <laughs> and I did that most recently with a bunch of people all over 30. One dude was like over 50 and he was killing it. And I was holding my side the whole time. It's fun, but not like basketball. I definitely have to say basketball. That's the longest answer you probably had in a hot potato. Ever. 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 But I like it. I'm cool with it. Since you created the beat for the show, I mean, I got to give you certain pardons that I might not give to other people. Nah. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Pardons. Pardons, huh? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Pardon that. (laughs) Pardon the interruption. I don't know how many times I watched that show with you. We would start our own part in the interruption in your apartment. Yeah. I mean, that's just just talking. <laughs> For sure. Let's do a few more running down real quick. First of all, Mitchell all Trubisky right. or Nick Foles? Oh, that's garbage, man. Throwing both in the trash. I got a pick? Nah, you just did. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Look, okay. Nah, you know what? I'll say it. I'll just go with Mitch. He gives the slight option of running, even though he doesn't. There we go. Gotcha. Who is more important to the Bears' defense, Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks? Oh, uh, I would say Mack. I mean, that's that's another one right down the middle. You can make a easy argument for both, and I wouldn't argue with you, but I'm gonna say Mack. Awesome. We were talking about versus battles, and we have both watched or listened to a lot of them. I want to run down a few of them. You do not have to go down. The versus road, like, hey, you watched it, you thought somebody did better here, you could say just your favorite artist. But let's start with my personal favorite, one of the battles, I thought it was epic, it was a concert, John Legend, Alicia Keys. Oh, uh, John Legend. We had him as our, our Google voice for a while. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Gucci or Jeezy? Jeezy. Rick Ross or 2 Chains? <laughs> 
Rick Ross. Snoop Dogg, DMX. Dang, yeah, that was, that was fun. Ah, Zane's going to get mad, but I'll say Snoop. I just got mad. <laughs> I mean, that's just one or the other. <laughs> it's a 50-50. <laughs> stupid one but just because i want to timberland swiss beats come on timberland all day little john t-pain t-pain i mean i love little john but t-pain is just you can just listen to that dude talk forever that dude is entertaining but i guess you could say the same about little john truth nelly ludicrous Luda. same i love nelly love nelly but yeah, yeah. Same. oh man luda and then this one, if it wasn't for Sean Garrett being drunk and the quality of audio could have been amazing, but I thought it was better than I would, it was going to be. Sean Garrett or The Dream? The Dream. Underrated. Way underrated. I'm listening to his music. Way underrated. After I listened to this, I went back and listened to some other stuff, and I'm like, this guy is a genius. Yeah, for sure. Definitely underrated. In the songwriter world, yep. No doubt. And in the way they were both playing Beyonce and Destiny's Child songs, I'm like, man, they pretty much rewrote that whole era of music. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's wild. I mean, Versus is blown up, right? So, like, I, I'm trying to remember, man, there's been so many Versus that were, I mean, like, under the radar, and now they're all major. I mean, everything is, is uh, A-list now. Yeah, I can't even forget Fabulous Jadakiss. All right. Uh, oh, Big Man. That's a, that's a tough one. Uh, I would say Jada Kiss, but I, I, I like, man, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> that's a, that's a toss up. I really can't pick on that one. I love Fabulous's music and I kind of like it better yeah, than Jada but, Kiss, but when we're talking lyrical and I want to like be blown away by mind poems and stuff like that, it's got to be Jada Kiss. I like them for the same reasons. That's the crazy thing, even though they're not very similar. Like their unique voice that they got a lot of album cuts that are dope that were never really radio hits. I man, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I got nothing. I, I can't. I can't pick. <laughs> and the crazy thing is, is I've listed off at least a good, you know, eight to ten of them, and there's so many more. I know Patty Labelle was on one. Who's she on with Gladys Knight? Was that it? Yeah. Man, we, a lot of times we just leave these on, uh, like Jess will remember, and pull it up, and we'll just be in the kitchen and still have it on our phone, on a little stand. That one, and that's like old school. So some of them we watched just in the background. That was definitely one of them. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't uh, 112 in Jagged Edge. Oh, I missed that one. So did I. I didn't catch it, but I went and listened to the songs on Spotify, because, you know, they got playlists of each yeah, one. Yeah, we do that, yeah. That's funny. That's what everyone's doing. It's like, uh, you know, Jess does that throughout the week. She'll throw up a little playlist on whatever uh, Spotify thing is just playing in our house. <laughs> That's how I know who's going to be on Versus. Have they come out with a new one? Who's going to be next? There was one supposed to be last night. Ashanti got COVID, uh, and so they postponed it. I think I got that right. It was one of uh, Keisha Cole. Yeah, it was Ashanti uh, and Keisha Yeah, I know it was postponed. So when they do do that one, who you got, Ashanti or Keisha Cole? As far as singing ability, I'm going to say Keisha Cole, but I'm going to say Ashanti 
first hits. I think that's what everyone's really saying, though. Yeah, Ashanti's five-year run with Ja Rule and Murder, Inc., I think yeah, is going to yeah. trump Keisha Cole's probably like two or three years on top. Yeah, yeah, for sure. If I'm going to pick someone to belt out a song, I think I'm going to pick Keisha Cole. Uh, Ashanti's not really going to come to mind, but her hits are undeniable, so. And I mean, Ashanti taught us how to always be on time. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Coming out with the dad jokes. <laughs> wow. I had to. I had to. I'm going to go downstairs and use that one. <laughs> there you go. See? Motivating each other. Mm-hmm. Oh, and one more that I forgot. I know I keep pro- you know prolonging this, but this has kind of been fun. Monica Brandy. Ah, good one. Um, you know what's funny is I definitely picked Brandy beforehand, but then when we watched it, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, okay, Monica. And I think I've switched my vote. So now now I'm on that team. It is super crazy because I was the complete opposite. I was like, Monica's got this. I was remembering songs, and then I heard Brandy and remembered how much of an amazing voice she has, and it kind of switched me. Yeah. Now, that was a good one. That was definitely up there. That was like a turning point. Uh, actually, I can't remember if the John Legend one was before that or after. It was before. It was? Okay. Man, I'm getting my timeline all messed up. That's <laughs> no, cool. But yeah, they were like low-key, like you were saying. They were low-key, and then all of a sudden, I, I don't know if it started Alicia Keys and John Legend, or maybe Ludacris and Nelly was before that, and then all of a sudden you saw the Instagram streams, and now they got it on Apple. Blew up. It's definitely blown up. It's fun. I mean... Yeah, like in the beginning, that was, uh, I'm trying to think of one of the first ones I saw was like Scott Storch. Uh, eh, I think that was. I'm trying to think of what was like the earlier ones, but it was like they had songwriters, they had, you know, definitely people weren't turning in by the hundreds of millions. (laughs) No doubt, no doubt. And most of them that I did say were kind of the older ones, like Sean Garrett and... The Dream was yeah, like one of yeah, the first yeah. ones. Timberland and Swiss yeah. was the very first one. Right. Yeah, no, you, you've uh, you've definitely been tuning in as, as much as I have. That's awesome. Oh, yeah, man. We've been music guys our entire life. That's how it goes. I know. I know. Well, this seems like a great spot to end this. I know I just made Hot Potato, which is usually like a two or three minute game, last probably about 20 minutes. Like 30 been- minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I gotta go watch the Bears lose. Right, same here. <laughs> I got a, got a recording, and I'm just like, why, why do I do this to myself? But here we go. Yep, I do it too. Every week, watching the Bears. Every week. Same. Want to give you a huge shout out for the intro outro beat on Edge of Your Seat podcast. It's always fun catching up with you. You'll be a friend of mine forever. Thank you for joining the show. You know you're gonna have to be on again sooner or later. Oh, uh, thank you. Yeah. Been fun. A lot of fun. <laughs> a lot of fun, for sure. No, this was great. This was uh, honestly, I keep forgetting we're on a podcast. Been talking for like three hours. <laughs> keep talking. I know it just goes by so quick. You're like, oh, this would be like a twenty minute, half hour conversation, and then all of a sudden it's like an hour, right. and you're like, where did the time go? Yeah, I mean, honestly, you start bringing up all these things. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna bring up the Bears. I'm gonna talk for like an hour. You bring up the Bulls. I'm gonna talk for like an hour. And that's what these podcasts are for, my friend. All right, man. I'm going to officially let you go. We'll stay in touch as always. All right. Take care, man.